welcome to the Back on Track Fitness Podcast, where we answer the tough questions on running, weightlifting, and general fitness. Hosted by Dr. Cameron Dennis and Dr. Eric May, physical therapists. Be sure to check us out at backontracktherapy.com for training programs and other resources. Now, let's get to the show. Did I see that you're from uh, New York? <laughs> I am. I live in New York City. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty nice. I'm from uh, Long Island, right outside of New York, and then I've lived in New York City for the past 12 years. So Wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've, never, yeah. I've never been over there. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a great city. It's very interesting for running, actually. Yeah, why is that? Because uh, you don't have, like, wide open spaces. So, like, a lot of times you're running with, like, street lights. Oh, so, my like, gosh. Yeah, yeah the street lights will, like, determine where you end up going because you just go for the green light, make a left, right, wherever, <laughs> wherever you have the green lights. Sure, that makes sense. What about, <laughs> yeah. like, Cent- Central Park? Yes, uh, that's, like, two miles from here. Oh, okay. Um, and I go there sometimes for, like, longer runs. But it's always, like, do you – if you want to go there, sometimes you got to get on the subway or you got to run a few miles to get there. So for just a shorter run, it's like just running around the neighborhood. I was going to say, it probably takes you a while to get two miles in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are running paths. Like we have the East River around here, so you can go mm. along the East River and that's nice. Um, but it's definitely different than like running. I wouldn't know what it would be like to run <laughs> in like wide open spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So- I'm from uh, a little town called Wapakoneta, Ohio. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, try saying that five times fast. <laughs> but uh, basically, um, there's not a whole lot here. I mean, I like it, but it's not real big. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually never been to Ohio, so. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> You're missing out. Oh, yeah. I'm but, sure. In terms of running, there's actually, I mean, it is a pretty nice state to live in in terms of running, though. Really? Because um, I do, li- we live out in the country. Um, and so, you know, you just, for four miles, you literally just run a country block. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? That's crazy. That's crazy to me, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's pretty nice. We have, um, I mean, it only takes me like maybe 15, 20 minutes to get to any one of like four state parks that we can run in. and. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. So lots of nature. <laughs> yeah, totally. That sounds awesome. Okay. Well, I, uh, I don't know how much time you have. Do you, do you have? Yeah. I have the, you said like 45 minutes to an hour. If you want to chat for that long, I'm cool with that. I don't have another meeting till 4.30. So. Okay, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it, is this what you do then? I mean, do you do like nutrition stuff as like yeah. a full-time job? Yeah, so I work for myself. Um, I'm a dietitian, but interestingly, I'm in like the media realm. Um, so my niche is sports nutrition, but I uh, work in media where I write for different publications. And like I said to you, I've done some TV work where I work for a spokesperson for like brands that I like and I want to promote. Um, and then I do a lot of blogging and social media and whatnot. So it's more so like messaging pushing my messaging out there on the media and less one-on-one counseling. Gotcha. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I saw your post, uh, you, you put some content, some piece of content that you had done on some yeah. running page. Yeah. I just happened to see it and it looked good. I mean, there's so much content out there, you know, so it's, it's almost like as a content creator myself, I, I almost have to like sift through a lot of different stuff and like to get to the stuff that I want to see. Yeah, you yeah. Know, that, or that, that, you know, pertains to me or whatever. But the, uh, for some reason, yours just stuck out. So I was like, man, you know what? <laughs> well, <laughs> thank like you. <laughs> thank you. I, uh, you know what? It's funny that you say that because there is so much content out there. And I, being a dietitian, everything that I learn is science-based, right? So like I go through the research and I'm trying to deliver what's actually factual rather than what's trendy. But I have to do it in like a soundbite way where people actually want to hear it rather than being bored by being schooled about nutrition. So like, it's like balancing the two, something that's interesting, but also true. And so I'm glad that it was that you could relate to it. Yeah, no, it was good. And then after that, um, I went and looked at some of your other stuff on your website. I saw you have like 10,000 followers on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? (laughs) A lot of work. Uh, 
Well, for me, because it's nutrition, there's a lot of like food elements about like recipe development and food photography and being on Pinterest and um, just doing videos. Since I'm doing a lot of media, it's mostly like being present in the media all the time. Um, it's funny that you, the Instagram thing, like I have friends who have like 30,000 followers. So oh my I'm like, gosh. I don't have a lot of followers. <laughs> I guess everything's relative, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but I know. And it's, most people are trying to get off of social media and I'm like, I have to be on social media all the time. <laughs> right. Right. And I find that, so I have, I don't know if you know much about me, um, probably not, but the, I looked at your website, but yeah, oh, okay. actually we just launched that like maybe a couple days ago or maybe a week ago. Oh, wow. Um, it might've been the day that I messaged you or whatever. Congrats so, on that. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it took so long <laughs> to get it all together. Um, yeah. but, uh, we're just trying to make it into a resource, you know, for all the different like power lifters and runners, basically. I know there's, I know they're so different. Right. But basically my business partner is a power lifter and he's got a lot of experience. He's a physical therapist as well. Interesting. Um, and, and so we have kind of two different platforms within that website. It's, it's, we, we kind of wrap it all together as like an athlete sort of thing, but, uh, you know, weightlifting and running. But, uh, anyway, uh, why don't, uh, what was I going to tell you? Uh, oh, in terms of the, the business side of things. So we started a physical therapy clinic about a year ago. And I didn't realize how much of that was like, especially nowadays, but it's like all online. (laughs) Really? It's, well, I mean, it's not the actual physical therapy being provided online, but in terms of reaching out to people and all the marketing and the social media and like how much you have to like communicate with people online. I didn't see that, you know, as, as I, when I started, I didn't realize that it was going to be me sitting at a computer a lot of the time, just like trying to, you know, put all this stuff together, but it's been fun, you know, but I'm trying, I feel like I'm definitely trying to learn, you know, all the different platforms. Yeah. Yeah. What you do. Definitely. It's taken me years. I mean, um, yeah. Which kind of goes into like my story of how I became a dietitian because I, uh, I switched careers to become a dietitian. Did you? Yeah. I used to work in advertising um, and I didn't like what I did. I was kind of bored. I worked in, I, since I live in New York city, I worked in the corporate world. I was working for huge media companies like Viacom and ABC, which is owned by Disney. Um, so they were cool places to work, but it wasn't just something that I felt fulfilled doing. Sure. So I really enjoyed nutrition and, uh, just exercise and food and cooking and recipes and all of this stuff. And I was in my mid twenties and I thought to myself, how do I make a career that's something that I actually really like, but uh, I want to do for a job? So I started looking into what it takes to go back to school to become a dietitian, which actually takes a lot of work, people don't realize, because yeah. it's, you, it's a science degree. So it's kind of like being a physical therapist or, you know, you have to go to school and you have to do all the prerequisite work, uh, which is undergrad classes. And I had already had a undergrad degree um but you have to take the chemistry the biochem the organic chem all that stuff that's the good stuff yeah (laughs) i didn't have any of those classes so i went back to school and i did a bunch of prereqs and then from there i applied to a nutrition master's program which i ended up getting into luckily and then we still have to do a year internship which is like supervised unpaid work for a year oh my gosh (laughs) yeah in order to sit for your dietitian exam um so going through all of that yeah, all the science work, not that, I, not that I'm opposed to the science work, but it was more so like, I want to get back to the food and the recipes and the cooking and all of this stuff. So that's when I started the blog, this is like four or five years ago. Sure. And I was like, you know what, I can share my recipes, I can write whatever I want. And it's my own little space that I can do that with. And through that, it's amazing how much social media and blogging has changed in the past five years. Mm-hmm. But I was just doing Facebook and Pinterest and whatnot. And, and now I've learned along the way with everyone else. Like I started Instagram when everyone else started Instagram. Luckily, I got the name I wanted because it was like just starting up. Like people oh. now <laughs> go on Instagram and, you know, they can't find the name because there's so many people on there and there's just so many different right. things. So it's a, it's, it's a crazy learning curve doing all of this. Sure, sure. I, I bet. And the, the interesting thing is around here, Instagram isn't really popular 
Oh, really? Like where I live. Inst- nobody really gets on Instagram. And oh, so, my God. And so that's kind of a lesson for me is that since I have like this this uh, group, this running group and things like that, like I'm doing a lot on Facebook because people around here are on Facebook. But in terms of like globally or yeah. even just in the United States, Instagram is huge. Yeah. But we don't yeah. see that here. So it took me a while to get on board with that. Oh, yeah. You should get on it just to like beat, beat the curve where you live. <laughs> yeah, and I'm on it now. Yeah. You know, yeah. I don't have, have 10,000 followers, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know what's interesting? I have some friends who are dietitians who do uh, like mom blogging and they're all on Facebook because a lot of moms love to be in the groups. And the same thing I've noticed with the runners, like there's so many private groups right. to talk to people on Facebook. But I guess when you're more public and want to you know, share your message publicly. It's all Instagram. Right. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not, obviously you don't learn that when you're in school studying for like your master's of science. Right, yeah. <laughs> they, we didn't talk about marketing like at all. <laughs> no, we didn't either. But, uh, um, I had some questions here. I wanted to go over with you. So yeah, sure. If we can get into some of those things. Um, it's funny cause we've actually already hit some of those areas just casually. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, so for those who don't know you, um, mm-hmm. can you kind of tell us maybe where, uh, where you grew up, you know, kind of your story where, you know, how did you get into, um, sports nutrition and, and why did you go from sports nutrition, um, from what you're doing before? Yeah, sure. So I grew up on Long Island, New York, which is a little Island, um, outside of New York city. And I honestly actually wasn't one of those people who ran cross country or anything like that. I wish I was because then I'd be running seven minute miles now, but I'm not. (laughs) So (laughs) I was more so just, I actually used to ride horses and I did random stuff. I went skiing with my dad. So I was always really active and my family's super active as well. My dad's in his sixties and still goes hella skiing and plays tennis three days a week. So that's kind of like the environment (laughs) I grew up in. Um, But I went to school and my dad was a, his, a business owner, and he always used to tell me when I was in, in college, just, you know, figure out what you want to do. It's not the end of the world if you don't figure it out by the end of school. You have your 20s to kind of figure it out. So when I was in school, I was like, well, I like to read and write. So I decided to become a history major, which made sense to me at the time. Uh, so you never I, know. I mean, who knows? Maybe you would have been a, a history guru <laughs> in another exactly. life. Exactly. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I ended up in the advertising world. Um, Didn't really love what I was doing, but I was always going to the gym and doing different uh, workouts and whatnot. And I I actually wasn't really that much of a runner at the time. Uh, It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I was like, you know what, I've been exercising for so long. This is part of my life, but I need some sort of goal. So I put my name in the lottery for the New York city half marathon and I got accepted <laughs> and I was not running. At the time, so I had to basically train for a half marathon and learn to run. And at the time I was in school to change careers to become a dietitian. Um, luckily I, because I always had that interest in fitness and exercise, I went to Columbia university and they have a sports nutrition program. So I was already studying sports nutrition because for me, I wanted, I felt like fitness and nutrition go hand in hand. Like you can study just nutrition, but if you're not studying fitness at the same time, to me, I felt like that was doing a disservice to my education. So I, (laughs) yeah, literally implemented what I was learning as I was training for this half marathon, because that was the other thing is like, I want to help people. But if I've never gone through it myself, how can I really talk about fueling and long runs and all these different sports drinks and all this stuff that you learn about? So I learned it while I was doing it and also while I was studying it at the same time. So that's pretty much my, the short of it. (laughs) Sure, sure. No, you're absolutely right. I think uh, it kind of makes the job easier, I think, when you're actually involved in that. Yeah. So. So I see, I see a lot of runners and if I wasn't doing that myself, I feel like maybe I wouldn't be able to relate necessarily as well. Or, you know, say somebody says, have you ever had this, this issue where where you get pain on the outside of your knee? You know, for me, I'm going to say, well, 
most runners probably will at some point, (laughs) you know, I did. Right. Um, And here's what I did to fix it. Right. Um, And in your situation, it's like maybe what works best for you, you know, in terms of pre-race nutrition or even like, you know, during your training and things like that. It's like, well, in my experience, when I'm actually training, I think that goes a long way into building like your um, trust with the people who you're working with and things. Yeah, definitely. And it goes to just being a beginner because I, you know, you have stomach issues and things like that in the beginning for a nutrition standpoint. And I went through all of that and Mm -hmm. I can speak to it, but I mean, everyone is different. So it's like you still tailor things based on different needs and different goals and whatnot. But I've, you know, gone through it and I didn't go through it when I was 10 years old. Like I was 29. So like, (laughs) I remember it. (laughs) Sure. So how did that race go? Um, I mean, not great. I mean, I finished it. I ran it like (laughs) two and a half hours. I remember just being like, I just want to finish this. I had no time goals. I actually didn't have any time goals for, for the first like year and a half of running because I was just like getting used to it kind of. And yeah planning on finishing races well i think that's the mistake too many people make it is doing the opposite of that you know they they set too many unreasonable goals for themselves and they end up getting hurt yeah or they they burn out you know because they're not reaching those goals and it's like well just learn the sport first yeah you know running is like any other sport there are rules (laughs) definitely definitely and i think that helps being in a science field and being educated and that kind of stuff because part of my degree was exercise physiology. So I get like super type A about like reading about form and things like that and making sure I'm doing everything right. 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 Yeah. Um, So I saw, I think I might've seen that you're going for a um, under two hours. Yeah. 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 How's that going? (laughs) I, uh, I've run one like two years ago. I've run, I've run all, I think a dozen or 13 half marathons at this point. And um, I ran one two years ago that I finished in 202, which I wasn't even trying to get a sub to. I was just kind of like having a great day. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> this past year, the last one that I ran that was good temperature and everything, I was pretty much on track to finish under two hours, but I had some like stomach issues, which happens to a lot of us. And, you right. know, Sadly, unfortunately, I know everything to do, but it, you know, it still happens. Um, so I finished sure. in 204. So this one, I'm like, oh. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like this is happening. I'm doing yeah. the strength training. I'm doing the speed training. I'm like following a training plan. Like it's gonna, I'm going to make sure it happens this time or I'm going to try. When is your race? Uh, it's actually on St. Patrick's Day. It's the New York City half again. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So March 17th. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I saw uh, maybe on your website that you were you had written for or worked with uh, Runner's World at one point. Is that is that yeah. accurate? Yeah, yeah. I've written a few articles for them, um, and I oh. also, being a dietitian, I'm asked to be the expert in a lot of articles, quote unquote. Um, so, for instance, if if a reporter writes about nutrition, a lot of times they want to quote people. So I will be quoted in a lot of articles on Runner's World. Just giving my advice about nutrition, but I've yeah written a few articles for them as well. That's really cool. How do you? I mean, how? I'm sure there are lots of people who are in nutrition and running. I mean, I'll include myself in there that would love to be involved with Runner's World. I mean, how did you get started in, in that world? Interestingly, just um, being in the nutrition field, and because I have this change in career, where like I said, I like to write and read, um, but the nutrition field is very science based. I was almost like the anomaly of being one of the dietitians who has more of like a creative mindset and kind of thinks in a writer's way rather than like, let me take a biochem. Like the biochem tests were my worst (laughs) days. Whereas like when I could write a paper, that was my best day. So when I finished schooling, a lot of what I wanted to do was write. Um, So I started just pitching articles to publications. Um, and one of the first publications I actually ended up writing for was women's running, which is a smaller running website, obviously geared towards women. And, um, once I started getting some bylines in there, I felt more confident and I really just did what they call a cold pitch where I came up with some article ideas. I found the editor online. I sent her 
some of those ideas and she accepted them and I wrote for them. And from there, I just like built a relationship and kind of kept it going from there. Wow. That's really interesting. Well, thank you. Um, so what articles, if you can remember, um, what articles did you write? I think I wrote one. I don't know if it was two years ago or a year ago. I wrote about um, how the a lot of hydration mistakes that you're making. Mm -hmm. um, because hydration, I find to be one of the most important things, but one of the things that's overlooked the most. And also one of the easiest things to really do and to change. I don't really understand why people don't <laughs> drink water. <laughs> it's almost so easy that you just don't take it seriously sometimes. Or some people just, they don't see it as a priority because it's so easy. Yeah, it's crazy to me. It's really crazy. <laughs> um, and then I wrote one about nutrients for injuries, for if uh, you do get injured, different types of injuries, which obviously is your specialty. But, you know, a stress fracture is a different type of injury than like plantar fasciitis. Um, and there's different nutrients that go along with those types of injuries. Um, I think those, those are the two I can remember. I yeah, remember those, those sound really good. Do you have links to those on your website? I do. I should. And if I don't, I will send them to you. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'll take a look and see if I can't find them either. But because um, those both sound really interesting, something that I might like to share in the group, um, in the, the the Facebook group, the Running Injury Support Group. That'd be um, awesome. Um, just because I think that in my own life, the the water thing is a good reminder. Yeah. <laughs> but not only that, but in terms of the actual research for water intake. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it sort of all over the board. Yeah. So I'd be interested to kind of hear your take on that. Yeah, um, interestingly, um, when it comes to, I, I always say that's one of the biggest nutrition myths out there is the drinking eight glasses of water a day because that's actually not true. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, there are no really standard guidelines for how much you should take in, which is probably why it's so confusing because, for instance, you know, I'm – like five foot three and I weigh 115 pounds. My boyfriend is like six foot one and he's whatever, 180 pounds. So thinking of the two of us, you can't really standardize how much water you should take in. Right. Um, so I think what I think what I wrote in the article, which I pretty much always end up writing, is you kind of have to assess your own hydration status by and the easiest way to do this uh, is to really look at the color of your urine. Mm -hmm. um, and there's three different ways to do it, but that's the easiest one. And if it's kind of like the color of straw, like a pale yellow, you're pretty much hydrated well. Um, and you want to look at that kind of throughout the day. And then also after a run, a lot of times after a run, it's not going to, most people end up somewhat dehydrated after a run, regardless of how well right. they drink. But um, it, when you're dehydrated throughout the day, it'll probably be a darker yellow, uh, like, what do I say? Apple cider vinegar. <laughs> kind of the way you would think about it. if it's that you need to drink more water pretty much um sure. and that's really the easiest way to think about it yeah no that makes sense that's that's a kind of a simple way i think to look at that yeah um, I, I think you can make it really complicated by like weighing yourself prior to the run and then yeah. thinking about how much sweat you've lost like that's kind of one, one of the ways that we learned in our nutrition class um in pt school and i'm just like who's gonna do that <laughs> <laughs> That's the, yeah, that's the second way. And then there's a third way called skin tenting, which is um, basically you pinch your skin. Where are you and, like? Yeah. And if it, bounces, <laughs> if it bounces back, you're hydrated. And if it stays, then you're dehydrated. But also to me, that's like not a perfect science. So right. <laughs> watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I would say that's the easiest way is to kind of just look at when you go to the bathroom, color sure. of your urine. Yeah. Sure. And, and the other one, um, in terms of the, the nutrients that are most important if you have a certain type of injury, I think that's, that sounds really intriguing. Yeah, yeah. Interestingly, um, so a lot of dietitians, when we go through schooling, uh, we end up working in a hospital. And I used to work in a hospital called Hospital for Special Surgery, which is an orthopedic hospital. So they do a lot of um, surgeries for people who have knee replacements and back injuries and whatnot. That's kind of where I came up with that idea because a lot of times we were always pushing protein and uh, calcium and vitamin D for people who are having bone issues because if you're 
having bone issues, obviously you want to nourish the bones, but also if you went under surgery, like some runners do, if they have something that, you know, upsets their knee and they have to go through surgery, like protein is super important. But if you just have some stress on your IT band where you have inflammation and whatnot, it's more so about like antioxidants that you'll find in fruits and vegetables and the berries that are really dark. I always say the darkest color, like kales, berry, beets, things like that have more of the inflammation fighting properties. So it was kind of differentiating between those types of different injuries. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. It makes a lot of sense. What about like, um, do you, do you subscribe to the theory of like inflammatory foods and things like that? I'm not sure where I stand with that yet, but I'm kind of the jury's still out in my mind, but you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Interestingly, Definitely when it comes to what we think of as like the unhealthy foods, you know, things that are packed with tons of added sugar or really fatty meats or alcohol or fried foods, they will cause inflammation. And we as runners tend to think of inflammation as what's upsetting our IT band, but it's also a chronic thing that is associated with obesity, which is then associated with lots of chronic diseases like cancer and heart disease. So all of those things have kind of been linked, like the unhealthy foods and inflammation and diseases. However, there are extreme diets out there. And I'm going to say, I'm going to call out like the Tom Brady diet where we're not eating tomatoes or strawberries or whatever crazy thing that we were doing. (laughs) Like I, I remember reading an article where he said he never had a strawberry or something like that because it yeah, it, it had it caused inflammation. So that wow. to me is like, yeah, not a. That's not true. Um, He's missing out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. So in a way, I subscribe to that. <laughs> sure, and I guess like that makes sense. Uh, a lot of like the really um, maybe high processed foods. Uh, I think in my own experience, I feel more sort of lethargic when I eat a lot of like crap. I definitely don't feel as energized throughout the day. Yeah, uh, definitely. In terms of reducing risk of injury, do you feel that there's any sort of link between these, this sort of inflammatory diet, um, I'll say it like this, inflammatory diet um, <laughs> and increased risk of injury? Um, is there a link? I guess if you were, I mean, you kind of, I'm thinking you may know that better than me because uh, I don't, like, for instance, if someone has, like, and I keep going back to the IT band, but that's really the most common thing, right? <laughs> someone has an inflamed IT band, and it's just like that all the time. I guess fruits and vegetables could help with the inflammation, but I'm not sure it's going to be enough to bring down the inflammation entirely. So I do, I do definitely think, I'm never going to say that they don't help, but I don't know that they're going to be enough to, like, prevent things from happening. Sure, sure. Yeah. I think one thing that I always say is uh, you want to sort of create an environment of uh, an environment of good health, basically, or in a healthy environment in order to um, reduce your, the, the uh, excitability of your nervous system. Right. Essentially. Right. Um, and so it's not that if you have like a sensitive nervous system, that you're going to become injured necessarily. But I think that those, those um, having that, that uh, inflammatory diet that we kind of talked about or eating these processed foods can definitely make you susceptible, uh, more susceptible to having pain when you're running. Right. Um, so that's what I've experienced in my own life. And then, you know, as a physical therapist, I do see that as well. Right. Um, it's kind of like we always say, you can't outrun or out-exercise a bad diet. Right. It's kind of the other way around as well. Like you can't have a good exercise routine. I mean, you can't have a good diet and a bad exercise routine. Like they have to go, they have to work together really. Right. Yeah. And what are you, I mean, maybe just give me a few examples if you could, um, but what are some examples of uh, the biggest mistakes that you see runners making with their nutrition? Yeah, sure. I would say obviously hydration is one. Um, I, Little little story about that. I always tell runners to never try anything new on race day when it comes to nutrition because that's something you just want to <laughs> practice ahead of time. Um, and I had one runner 
once come up to me after I gave a talk and he said, I'm running a race this weekend, but I never, it was a half marathon, but I never drink during the race. And I was like, anything? And he's like, no. Uh (laughs) And he's like, like, but you told me not to change anything during the half marathon. Should I, should I drink? And I was like, yes, you should have some water, have some water. And then afterwards he emailed me and he told me that he was feeling really fatigued around mile nine and he stopped at some of the hydration stations and like felt great and finished really well. So to me, to me, that just goes to show you how just drinking a little bit of water, if nothing else really helps. Um, so I think just figuring out what your hydration techniques are. Um, I also think that in terms of people who run long distances, they get very scared of sugar. Mm. Um, and I, I'm not like, yeah, we should have tons of sugar. Let's eat spoonfuls of sugar. But <laughs> sugar Why is... Not? I know. <laughs> Maybe that inflammation thing we were talking about. <laughs> uh, it's, sugar is carbs, and carbs give you fuel, pretty much. So if you're doing something for longer than 60 minutes, basically all of your fuel stores that you had before then are used up. You need to add some fuel into your routine to have the energy to keep going. And I think that a lot of people always say, yeah, but sports drinks are bad for me or the gummies and the goos are bad for me. And there are other alternatives. Um, I think you got to figure out which, what works for you, but you have to realize that like some of that has to be implemented if you're going to run, run long distances. Um, and then in terms of just like beginner runners, just figuring out running nutrition in general, it's very different than regular person nutrition. Uh, just for instance, like I said about the carbs, you need carbs. They give you fuel. If you try to cut carbs, your body will make them from some other source, whether it's breaking down your muscles or breaking down your fat, which sounds good. You want to break down fat, but it's really inefficient and taxing and will make you fatigued. Um, so just using, you know, eating a healthy diet and making sure that you put some gas in the tank to give you energy to run through what you're trying to do. Um, I think those are kind of like the most basic things that I see mistakes being made in terms of nutrition for runners is, yeah, just like eat something because you're running. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I actually found something on your website. Um, If you don't mind if I pull that up. Yeah, sure. Um, it's it's a looks like a really useful resource here. It's it's an article that you wrote called Ten Nutrition Tips for New Runners." Yes, um, I'm too. I don't know if you have the ability to pull that up or not, but um, and here you talk about the pre-workout fuel. Um, yeah, yeah. I won't, I won't go through all of them because I want people to go to this and actually dig into it. But um, you do talk about the hydration. Um, and to not be scared of carbs. Um, I think this is really great. What, what, let's see, nutritional, uh, nutrition a la natalie.com. Yeah, Yeah, that's me. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where people can go to find this article here. And I'll even share this in the, um, the show notes and I'll share it in, uh, in the description of anything that I share, um, with this video and with this audio so so that people can find this but um i just thought this was a really cool tool or a really cool resource awesome well thank you yeah and it kind of just gives the kind of what you just asked like these are the 10 things that i i feel like i'm saying all the time that um i find are not that hard to change but are really helpful are there any that you want to um sort of go over any that you uh, feel like really stick out that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet? I guess the only other one would maybe be the GI issues or for the layman gastrointestinal stomach issues pretty much is one of the most common things for runners. Um, And I think that that also one takes practice. Your stomach, I always have to remind people, it's a muscle like anything else and it has to learn how to deal with the up and down motion of running. Um, so just, you know, give it time to adjust, but also making sure that if you kind of understand pre-workout nutrition, that'll really help when it comes to, um, just dealing with stomach issues, because if you put something weird in your stomach an hour before a run, it's not going to really sit well. So I think just learning some of those pre 
fueling techniques. Um, and then also there are certain things like, for instance, sugar alcohols, which are uh, a lot of times the artificial sweeteners that are in certain foods, those can upset your stomach. Or this is where runner nutrition is different than regular person nutrition uh, fiber, like beans, they can upset your stomach during a run for some people. So I think just kind of practicing that kind of and figuring out, but learning the basics of that, but figuring out what works for you is the one other thing that I come sure. across a lot. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that's great. Um, yeah, you kind of hit a couple of them there, even, you know, just talking about the stomach issue, but that, the fact that, you know, you really have to practice your nutrition before the race, you know, and I mean, even if you're not racing, it still takes practice, right? I mean, even if you're not necessarily going for, uh, you know, going out to a race, it's still going to take you time and it's still worth maybe taking notes or keeping uh, track of what you're eating before you're running and how you felt during that run for sure. Yeah, definitely. And number nine that you talk about consult with friends. I think that can help with that as well. Um, number nine and 10 seek expert advice. Um, just sort of learning those sort of those rules that are well established and that, that most runners who've been running for a long time just sort of know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, uh, but that seems like that would certainly help. So I think this is really great. Um, in terms of being, uh, if we were to get more specific, um, just looking at your website here, what sort of resources do you have if someone was looking for more information about um, uh, what they might want to eat during their training for a certain a specific race? Yeah. So I actually just wrote an ebook for nutrition for runners. It's called the no brainer nutrition guide for every runner. Um, because I was talking to so many runners and getting so many questions via email and Instagram and whatnot, and realizing that there's not really a good resource out there. So it's kind of a lot of more detailed stuff on these types of topics, like hydration and pre-run fuel and during run and after and all the things we kind of talked about. Um, so I have that. And then I also have my entire website is full of recipes that are all things that I eat <laughs> as a runner. So uh, if you like to cook, great. And if you don't like to cook, a lot of the stuff is like super easy. Um, and I also have tons of different sports nutrition and running articles on here. And this yeah, is great. Pretty Pretty much everything I ever talk about. I feel like sometimes I'm sick of hearing myself talking about running, but oh. <laughs> that's, all, that's all I ever talk about. And I hope we you want can, you to talk okay. about running. <laughs> good, good. And yeah, then you should just go to my website. <laughs> yeah, some of this stuff looks delicious. It really does. Well, thank you. Um, and I have a question for you. I don't know if you get this one a lot, um, but when I run, my biggest issue isn't isn't uh, necessarily that I have trouble stomaching foods or anything like that. But um, my issue is that I lose weight so fast because I'm trying to eat clean and lean. Okay. okay. But I'm not necessarily getting enough calories for the distances that I'm going. Um, so I guess what would you recommend for me in that situation? Interesting. You're running, you're losing weight like over periods of time, not throughout just the day, right? Oh, no. Through, I mean, let's, for example, uh, over about four months, I lost 40 pounds. Oh my gosh. Running. I mean, I wasn't even running that much. <laughs> I was probably doing 35, 40 miles a week. Uh, okay. You know, so I cut out all the, a lot of the processed foods. Right. Um, and I think. I was, what I was eating was really healthy, but the issue was that maybe I wasn't getting enough of the calories to maintain that muscle mass. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I think that what you, what could help you, it's kind of like the guidelines I almost give for carb loading. Not that you need to carb load, but it's more so people think of carb loading as like, I'm going to eat French fries and, and three bagels. And it's like, it doesn't necessarily need to be that. It could just be <laughs> that you have a double serving of rice or like right. you have like a double, uh, instead of having one sandwich, maybe you have a sandwich and a half. So it could almost be like just upping what you're eating, the amount of food you're eating. But another mm -hmm. really easy to way, way to do that besides filling your stomach with tons of food is healthy fats. Um, 
Interestingly, when it comes to the macronutrients, which there's three of them, there's carbs, protein, and fats. Carbs and protein have four calories per gram of food, but fats have nine calories per gram of food, um, which is why some people are scared of fats, but they're one of the, I think, one of the best ways to refuel after a run because they help fill you up. So for people who are marathon training, uh, they tend to eat a lot of food afterwards because they, they feel like they have an empty stomach that they can never fill it up. So fats kind of help with that. Um, and that may be good for you because you need more calories. Sure. Uh, what's, what's a good source of ha- like a healthy fat other yeah. than like the omega? I mean, are you just talking about like the omegas? Yeah. So like nuts, seeds, avocado, different oils. For instance, if you're having like you want to eat clean and you're having salads or veggies or stir fried or whatnot, maybe just add like double the amount of oil you would usually have. Um, mm. Because surprisingly, there's a ton of calories. Not, I don't want people to think that's a bad thing, but like there's like 120 <laughs> calories in a tablespoon of oil. Um, right. Yeah. And the same it just thing depends with, on what your goals are. It's not for everybody to do this, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Same thing with avocados, like a full avocado has 300 calories. Um, so if you had two of those a day, maybe you wouldn't lose weight. <laughs> Just that uh, eat two avocados a day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of uh, antioxidants in those and different types of uh, vitamins and minerals. So it's interesting because it's almost like you have to change the way you're thinking of usually you're used to being like, no, I need to eat healthy. I shouldn't be eating this much food. But if you're losing weight, then you actually probably should be. Right. And, and recommendations for uh, runners and athletes who are spending a lot of calories, recommendations for fat intake are actually much, much higher, right? Much yeah. higher than the like, standard population. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's everything is really much higher. <laughs> um, uh, most standard population, um, I should know these numbers off the top of my head. I think it's like <laughs> 20 to 30% of your, or maybe it's 15 to 25% of your calories should come from fat. Mm. Whereas I would say runners should be at least like 20 to 30, sometimes even up to 35% of your calories should come from fat. Mm. Um, I'm not going to fact check you, by the way. I'll yeah. test you on that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but, granted, runner, there's runners are different too. Like there's some people who are running 5Ks and there's some people who are running marathons. So, right. It depends. Right. Um, so yeah, anybody listening, I recommend checking out that website. We'll definitely have a link down in the description and in the video show notes. Uh, but once again, it's nutrition, a la ALA, Natalie. <laughs> uh, so uh, we're getting close to wrapping up here, but I wanted to ask you, have you dealt with any injuries as a runner? Um, I've been pretty lucky that I have not really, I I ran the New York city marathon in 2016 and I was crazy about every time I went for a long run, I would ice my knees afterward and I would foam roll all the time. And still actually right now, my IT band has been super tight and I foam roll like every day. (laughs) I'm just like, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have to deal with an injury. So, uh, I've been, of course I have, like I said, my IT band is tight or my knees are sometimes sore, um, but nothing really serious. So sure, that's great. Very lucky. Knock, knock yeah. on wood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of your IT band, I'll send you some videos. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I would really like that, actually. <laughs> Coincidentally, we just we just did uh, a couple uh, videos for IT band syndrome um, in the running injury support group, because uh, as you can imagine, that's one of the more common things that people complain of, and that's. So like to get in the group, I usually ask, I have a couple of questions and one of them is what injury, you know, have you dealt with in the past? And it's like 75% of people say IT band syndrome. So, so you're not alone. Yeah, no, <laughs> I appreciate it. And also being a uh, science professional, when I was, I was actually watching some videos, I was looking for physical therapists because I want people who know what they're talking about. I don't want to end up looking right. at something that's not right. So I would really appreciate that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the same as what we were talking about earlier, there's so much information out there. Yeah. You know, you really just don't know what's right and what's wrong. You know, you, yeah. you're going down some weird path that's not going to get you anywhere. Totally. You know, and, and even as PTs, as physical therapists, it's, it's constantly changing. You know, science is always giving us some new piece of information to help us sort of change, you know, the way that we look at things, even IT band syndrome, there's even theories that there's no such thing as IT band syndrome. <laughs> it's just, 
it's something to do with the nervous system, but it's not actually the IT band itself. You know, so the, it's just there are so many different theories and, and methods and, and exercises out there. Um, so just be open minded, I guess, and, and kind of see what um, see what comes of that in the next couple of years. I guess it's just it's kind of interesting to watch as things unfold, how they change, how the healthcare yeah. system changes. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. The same thing happens with diet stuff. The, the science yeah. changes a bit, especially when it comes to things like ketogenic diet and whatnot. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's more so a lot of just trends that are there that are not backed in science. So, but right. you got to stay on top of it. I'm probably going to push a button, but the, <laughs> set you off, but the, I was listening to, do you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast? I, I've, I think I've heard it a few times, but not like, not a religious listener. Yeah. Uh, he had a woman, um, I think she was a dietitian. She definitely knew what she was talking about, but okay. she, uh, she was talking about, or they were talking about the carnivore diet. Okay. <laughs> today. <laughs> have you heard of this? Yes, I have. Yeah. The carnivore diet. Yeah. It's new to me. I don't, it's only been maybe a month since I like learned about what this even, even was, but. Was she promoting like, it? No, no, oh, not at okay, all. Good, good, good. No, <laughs> she was, like, she went on like a rant about it, you know? <laughs> oh, good, good. Yeah. 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 There's so many crazy diets out there and that is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. For those who don't know, that's literally, it's a, it's a diet where all you eat is meat, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, it. that's it. Yeah. No, I um, actually interested. I was quoted in an article today on Yahoo about this bodybuilder who decided that he was going to stop eating tons of protein. And now he, wait for it, drinks his own urine <laughs> and eats what? only fruit. <laughs> What? <laughs> they were like asking me what this is like nutritionally. And I was like, well, one, the thing is urine is like 95% water. So it's not even actually really, that's how you can survive off of it. Cause you really just need water. Yeah. But um, you're not getting any protein. You're not getting anything really, barely getting any calories. So yeah, people will really do some crazy stuff. Wow. I hadn't yeah. heard that one. <laughs> yeah. That was new to me when I got the email too. Very bizarre. The urine diet, man. I'm yeah. not trying that one. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't recommend it. Um, but uh, you know, in general, what are your thoughts in, in, in on the uh, the keto diet, the ketogenic diet? I don't love it. I don't think that you're going to find a lot of dietitians who love it. Um, that said, I try to always meet people where they're at. So there's a lot of people who really want to do it and want to do it to lose weight and whatnot. Um, it's, the reason that I don't love it is because you're just eating so many fats and you're not eating a lot of carbs. And when you don't eat a lot of carbs, you barely get any fruits and vegetables or whole, whole grains, things that I would recommend to people because they have a lot of nutrients, antioxidants, vitamins, minerals, fiber, all of this stuff. Um, if there's a way that you can do a ketogenic diet where you're getting a lot of healthy fats, like the lean meat or not the lean meat, the fatty fish. Um, and you know, like I said before, the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, and then you can put in some carbs in the form of fruits and vegetables. Then I guess that's the healthiest way to do it. Mm -hmm. I still think for people who, who exercise a lot, they're just not getting enough right. fuel to push them through things. Um, but yeah, like I try to be open-minded about these things as much as possible. It's just not something that I would recommend. Sure. So yeah. what, if you had just a minute, what, what would potentially happen? I mean, what are the chances of um, potential adverse health risks if someone were to try a ketogenic diet, but be unable to remain in ketosis and then jump back and forth. <laughs> you know, wouldn't they just build up a lot of fat? Yeah. Um, what, is there risk yeah. for fatty liver? Yeah. It's definitely, it's also like depends on how, how you do it. Like what fats are you eating? But yeah, I, and I'm, I think I'm not even sure. This is the other thing with the ketogenic diet. It's, it's very new. So the, most of the research that's done on it is done in people who have seizures. That's where the ketogenic started. It was treated, at, it was a way that was for people who have seizures. That's what, for whatever reason, this high fat diet treats the seizures, epilepsy. Um, and then 
So for these people who are now trying to lose weight and using it that way, there's not a lot of research done in that field for us to know how this is affecting them long-term. Like, yeah, maybe they'll have fatty liver. Maybe they'll end up with heart disease. We don't really even know yet. And that's what makes it a little bit dangerous. Um, And we're also not sure if anyone, if you're really in ketosis, like I get, you can do your own ketone tests at home, the urinary, but like, I don't know. It's just, there's so many unknowns here. Right. Yeah. So maybe the best thing to do is just eat a balanced diet. Yeah. (laughs) Make my life so much easier. Yeah. Right. Right. So for more advice on that, you can definitely check out Natalie's website, um, nutrition, a la Natalie, nutrition, A-L-A, Natalie, N-A-T-A-L-I-E.com. And do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to say before we wrap this up? I don't think so. No, if you, anyone has any questions, feel free to reach out and you can also follow me on Instagram. I'm a nutrition a la Nat on Instagram and I'm always happy to answer questions. Great. Are you on Facebook as well then? Uh, yeah, everything's nutrition a la Natalie. So okay. anywhere you search, that's where you'll find me. Great. All right. Well, I appreciate you hopping on this call with me and uh, taking the time. It's definitely something that um, as PTs, I think we need to maybe do a better job about understanding how uh, nutrition can uh, affect our patients, yeah. um, but I think it's a good. It's a good. This is sort of a good way. Uh, is to sort of open up that dialogue um, between dietitians and, and other health healthcare providers. So I really appreciate that you're sort of doing this, and then also trying to get your message out to the running community. So, well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on because. You know what? Not everyone is interested or open-minded about nutrition. So I love talking about it and I'm glad to be here. So thank you. Absolutely. So you have a good rest of your day and uh, I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Back on Track Fitness podcast. We hope you found it helpful. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and check out running and weightlifting programs for athletes of all experience levels at backcontracttherapy.com. Links are in the show notes. See you next time.